I usually talk to people about, hey, when you are shopping during holiday in New York City, it's a five sense experience, right? When you walk into that retail environment, it smells like Christmas. It's busy. There's sounds of Christmas. The visuals are there. It's not just a little banner somewhere on your page that acknowledges that you've got this big up and coming holiday event. And so I don't think we've done a good job in retail of emulating that online. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. When you hear the word gifting, what typically comes to mind? I know for me, it's usually the holiday season, right? Maybe even a birthday or an anniversary. But according to John Gretsch, Chief Commercial Officer for Gift Now, Gifting is a year-round opportunity and, in turn, requires a year-round strategy. I'll be honest, when I came into this conversation, I had a basic idea of what I wanted to talk about. But as we dug deep into the trends that are driving consumer expectations around the gift-giving experience, the challenges that brands and retailers are facing to improve those experiences... It unlocked a whole new list of questions and considerations for you, our listeners. Gift Now is a product of Loop Commerce, a synchrony solution. So we get into a little bit of the technical components, you know, what that experience looks like for gift givers and gift receivers. But I think the big takeaway is the strategic nuance that is required to improve the gifting journey. Listen in. Hopefully you get some good insights or ideas as you think about what that gifting opportunity looks like for your brand. John, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to have you on and great to be catching up with you. It's been a while, Alicia. It's really nice to hear your voice again. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we have a fascinating conversation, I think, to dig into today around gifting kind of what's changing, what new trends are emerging, and some of the challenges that retailers and brands may be facing right now. So as the name implies, your company Gift Now is in the gifting space, right? So before we dig in, I think it'll be good to kind of set the stage around your expertise and your positioning in that space. So what unique distinction or position does Gift Now and even you personally have in the retail industry? Well, I'll start with me personally. So I'm coming at this from a bit over two and a half decades in working with retail technology startups, all serving things having to do with driving great customer experiences. And seven-ish years ago, when I started to take a look at this opportunity, I actually had no idea that gifting was as big as it turns out that it is. And there's always an opportunity when there's big markets sitting in front of you hidden in plain sight. And that's what I saw. And that's what attracted me to want to come tackle the problem here at Loop. Loop specifically is different or positioned differently in the market because we live and breathe in this sort of gift commerce or gifting economy space. And when you take a look across the competitive landscape, the majority of the players, especially the big ones, are really, really focused at delivering on a gift card type experience. Loop took a different approach and said, 
but hold on, not everybody wants to give a gift card. There's lots of great reasons to do gift cards and lots of great opportunities for retailers to drive that business. But in reality, there's a whole audience out there that also wants to send products. And there's moments that people want to connect through products in the form of gifting. And we see that all the time in the physical world, but the digital execution didn't exist yet. And so that fascinated me, right? Here we are 25 plus years into e-commerce and no one had looked at how do you solve for this gifting problem online when it came to products. And so we came at it through that orientation and we over time migrated to also enable the service of, of gift cards as part of the platform, but we're doing that all with products in mind. And that's fundamentally different about us. And so we think about the assortment, we think about the brand, the retail environment, and we've created experiences that connect all those things together and offer the opportunity as well as gift cards to send products in the same way that Venmo allows you to send cash. And so that's probably our most unique differentiator is the mindset, Alicia. We're also modern, right? In a very sort of old category. Most of the providers have been around for 20 years. There's a lot of tech debt involved there. As a modern system, it enables us to move more quickly, make investments in new ideas, iterate at a rapid pace. These are all things that come alongside of developing on, on modern systems. And so the orientation plus the modern stack and kind of the clear visibility across the entire enterprise when it comes to gifting are some of the things that we think make us a little bit different than those out in the market. Yeah. And now we're going to be getting into some of those experience components a little later on, because I, I find it truly fascinating that, you know, you guys are kind of taking this concept or this category from a retailer's perspective that always felt a bit just like tacked on and have made it a bit more immersive, a bit more personalized and a bit more meaningful for not just the people receiving the gift, but the people giving the gift as well. But before we get into all of that, I think the big elephant in the room, so to speak, is kind of where the industry is right now in terms of consumer sentiment, consumer behaviors, because obviously when we look at economic sentiment and confidence, that ultimately trickles down into holiday, big gifting categories and periods. And everybody's talking about the challenges around inflation, right? And will there be a recession? If so, how severe? You know, we've been facing a lot of economic uncertainty over the past couple of years, but it seems like in this period in particular, there are a lot of unanswered questions. So, I mean, what are you hearing in terms of the overall landscape? Are retailers concerned about this? Or what insight do you have as far as like the gifting industry as a whole? Well, it's a great question. For sure, retailers actually employ consumers to work there. They're the same people that pull up to the pump and are paying five plus dollars a gallon right now and shopping in the grocery store and realizing that they're going to drop 500 bucks on what used to cost them 350, right? And so everyone's feeling that pain or that pressure, I think. We saw some really interesting things emerge over COVID that we haven't seen the pedal kind of come off the gas on around people wanting to connect on a more regular basis rather than just waiting for the big moments on the calendar that say that you should send somebody a gift. So we, we saw a pretty significant lift in just because type of occasions that people were doing throughout the year. Nobody buys it just because at the same price that they buy their brother something for Christmas. Right. And so the AOVs tend to be a little bit lighter, but it happens more often. 
And it doesn't, again, need to be this big item. It more has to be the thing that represents what I'm trying to say to you. And it could be something as small as a cup of coffee. And so we've seen and just taken the feedback from the retail industry that obviously there's a little concern as people are beginning to move into a planning phase for holiday. You named it, right? There's there's a laundry list of potential issues that are still haunting our industry from supply chain pressure and all the way through to what happens in, in retail stores in Q4. Is there a potential rebound of our friend COVID or will this economic situation get better or worse or stay where it is? And so those are kind of the macro level considerations that we've been hearing from the retail audience in general. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw this affect what's going to happen in Q4 in general in terms of the total spend. I suspect that we'll see the same volume of engagements and probably even more. But the amount spent on those, I think, is still the jury's out. I hope that's consistent with what you're hearing elsewhere. Otherwise, I need to talk to some other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think you're pretty spot on. And I think what's interesting, too, is that at the same time, we're also navigating a lot of evolution in terms of consumer expectations, right? Like beyond some of the economic factors or, or you know, sentiments that may be impacting decisions and like maybe how much people spend or how frequently they spend, or maybe it's a case of like, oh, hey, I got a bonus or like my paycheck came today and like, I don't just want to get something nice for someone, right? Like I think the context around gifting or gifting moments has possibly changed. And, and at the same time, it's like, how those gifts are delivered, right? Which I think kind of gets into your world a little bit more. So, I mean, are the, are those shifts in behaviors, technology use, is that kind of impacting gifting behaviors as well because it's a bit easier for people to create those moments that they're more likely to use digital in this case? I think so. When we look at sort of the numbers of what we're anticipating for holiday, I've seen forecasts that retail in general going up to about 1.25 trillion in 22. And we've also grabbed some data around people's propensity to buy online over in-store. And that's well over 55% at this point, plan on shopping online. So we, we expect to see our sliver of the business grow and, and perform during that peak season. The reality of gifting is that Many people wait till that last minute. And oftentimes it's not because they're procrastinators. It's because they forgot a person or they forgot a couple of people or they just couldn't settle in on what was the right thing they wanted to get. And next thing you know, they're sort of haunted by the timeline of trying to get it into their driveway. And these are all things that our platforming capabilities for retailers help to solve for. And so we see that burst happen in those last minutes. The retail community that we work with does a really good job of promoting that it's not too late to shop, right? The close sign is not on my door. You can still shop here and get your gifts in time. And we do that and deliver that through that digital experience that we have. And so I think we'll see that trend continue this year. I do think there'll be some adjustment on things like AOVs. That's a John thesis, by the way. That's not a sort of company <laughs> mindset. It's okay. just, my logic is telling me, you know, we'll probably see people spending a little bit less, but you never know. You know, it really depends on, I think, what happens over the next couple of weeks. You've also got midterms coming in November. That always creates a, a fun sort of turmoil in the country. So there's a lot at play here, but 
we're looking forward to this holiday for sure. No, that's great. And I mean, what else are you hearing from the retail marketplace, either your current customers or potential customers around their challenges or what they're hoping to accomplish? Like, are there cases where retailers say, you know what, we have like just plain old digital gift cards, physical gift cards, like we're good. And like that urgency around creating something more experiential, more immersive isn't quite there yet? Or are you seeing that urgency at the executive level, like as you have conversations around gifting experience and and what a sound gifting strategy looks like? Yeah, good question. So for sure, the interest in winning at gifting cycles similarly to the seasonal holidays. And so we see that from just an inbound perspective and number of conversations that we're involved in that will go up in the summertime. Um, it will spike in that sort of early fall. And so we did a, a survey together with another company last year and found out that 75% of retail execs believe that their gifting strategy is important to their overall e-commerce strategy. And only two of them actually thought that their current capabilities were mature. And so that's another one of those like big misses, right? You've got a very large population that believes it's critical and you only have a 2% population that thinks they're doing it well. Huge gap. And so we'll see, I think people continue to lean in on it, especially as they lean in on digital in general, not against physical, but together with the physical stores. So I think we're going to see more activity. And by the way, it's not just the GIF Now platform that answers all of the questions, right? I usually talk to people about, hey, when you are shopping during holiday in New York City, it's a five cents experience, right? When you walk into that retail environment, it smells like Christmas. It's busy. There's sounds of Christmas. The visuals are there. It's not just a little banner somewhere on your page that acknowledges that you've got this big up and coming holiday event. And so I don't think we've done a good job in retail of emulating that online. Yes, we message a couple things differently. We get into the promotional sort of cadence that you'll always see leading up and during those peak seasons. But I think retail has a lot to gain in terms of creating an online experience that stimulates the imagination and the connective nature of gifting in the same way it does in the physical store. And so we try to provide a lot of advice around that. There's not necessarily parts of the platform that do on-site merchandising, for example, but there's certainly different ways to approach that. And I think there's a whole other set of rules that you need to view the path to purchase through in order to perform better than you did last year. And so it's whittling away at those problems, the challenges of the gift shopper, and maybe even realizing who that might be, because it probably actually isn't the same person that's shopping for themselves on your site there's a really good chance it's not. And we see that evidence in the more polarizing retail environments. If it's a women's brand, right? And there are 90%, 95% house file is females over 30, under 50 with 100K in household income. Guess what? <laughs> there's a really good chance that during Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, and Christmas, your site is, is riddled with men who are buying for them. And most brands haven't flexed the, or built the muscle to know how to message and communicate to that particular type of customer because it's not their standard customer. And so that's another really big opportunity, not only insight or on-site, but above the funnel, how you communicate to those potential prospects, how do you get them into the site, and then what kind of experience do you provide for them once they get there, right? They're not having a tactical search execution 
They're looking for inspiration. They're looking for ideas. They're looking for ways to connect with the products relative to the reason they're buying it. And then most of the time, it's not the same specifications that a self shopper is looking for, right? Actually, those specifications become hurdles for the gift buyer. And so there's just some interesting psychology to think about when it comes to serving that, that audience and how that might be different from the very well-developed muscle the marketers have serving their own sort of known shopper population. Yeah, I think those are some really strong points. So I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into those. So you brought up some really, I think, interesting call out. So the fact that like, in the physical realm, like it's a very sensory experience, there are different things to draw you in to drive that product discovery and like, inspire you to purchase a specific gift for someone. I feel like online, that's a challenge, like especially with like most e-commerce sites, it's a very grid-like experience. It's not super entertaining. It's not super immersive. And then that nuance in the customer journey, right? Like we hear so much about journey mapping and understanding your core personas, building experiences around that. So, I mean, I would love for you to kind of expand upon what that psychology is and like kind of getting inside the mind of the gift giver and like how that kind of creates opportunity for creating a more immersive gift shopping or gift giving experience because it seems like there is definitely a lot of gaps there in terms of like what consumers would want or do say they want versus what they're actually getting. Yeah, there's a lot in there, Alicia. I'll try to unpack it without getting too far off the reservation. So okay. feel free to <laughs> roll me back. I'll, I'll roll you back if needed. <laughs> so the first thing is we came out of the ground as a company and as a concept on the back of really the science, the behavioral economics involved in decision making around buying a gift. And we did some studies with some people that are experts in the category. And we learned a bunch of things. Like, for example, the sender, the gift giver, much more highly values giving risky gifts. There's a lot more satisfaction taking a shot and the shot landing than giving you a one-size-fits-all type of gift. And that's true also on the receiving end, right? There's really something curious and emotionally sort of charging when somebody gets you this gift and it's like this off the cuff thing and you're kind of responding with, holy, that was awesome. I'm so glad you got that for me, right? This isn't a transaction, right? I'm not buying paper towels. I'm actually creating a connection between two people and the brand stands in the middle of that. So there's a lot at stake. You're actually dealing with two customers. It's different. It's just not the same. So the psychology of gifting, I think, presents opportunities for retailers to gain more mindshare and sort of loyalty out of the customers of that particular transaction. And so things like doing a really good job of merchandising what people would perceive to be hard to buy products, because hard to buy products tend to actually create more enjoyment on the sending side and the receiving side. That's exactly opposite of what you see in retail, right? When you go to the gift wall, what's on the gift wall? Hats, gloves, scarves, things that you don't need to make any real decisions around, right? because it fits into that one-size-fits-all category. And that's not necessarily going to deliver the best experience through that gifting sort of connection between those two customers. And that's something that people need to be mindful of. How do I really do a good job of eliminating the fear of the risk so the transaction happens, but doing that with things that items, products, 
that people will really value on the receiving end as well as therefore on the sending end. I said there was a lot there and that's the only one I can remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's kind of dig into the opportunity for digital specifically, right? Because when I think about digital engagement or how consumers are using digital, like there's messaging, there's like this, this curation component to it. So, I mean, how does this render for the gift giving experience? I mean, this is likely coming through the lens of like the gift now experience, right? Like what retailers can actually implement and, and, and use to create a valuable gift browsing and giving experience through their through their branded e-commerce experiences, right? So like how can digital make that process more personal, more contextual? I guess this is probably through two angles, right? Like the gift giver and also the gift receiver, like the person who's actually going through the process of like redeeming that gift. I'll start there because I think it's interesting. The And this just goes to mindset, right? We'll often hear comments from our retail partners that, they want to introduce some kind of a commerce opportunity in that receiving flow. And that just goes to show the kind of myopic focus on always sell whenever you can. And you ask the question of, well, when was the last time somebody upsold you something while you were unwrapping your gift at home for under the Christmas tree? And the answer is exactly never. And so that's the decoupling of what you're supporting and sort of creating between two people with the retail mindset of, but I think this might be a chance to sell more. Is it a chance to now win that customer? For sure, right? And in fact, you've got the halo of the emotions wrapped around the gift that they got, but it's probably not the right time to offer them new things or to sell them anything because they're just opening a gift. They didn't go to your store and try to buy something. So there is kind of a decoupling in how to think about that. From a merchandising perspective, I think that there's a lot of energy spent around your typical taxonomies and journeys that are rooted in the facets that people use to describe a product. But people buy gifts for different reasons, right? And I would encourage or maybe even challenge anyone listening to think about the reasons why I would buy this for fill-in-the-blank person on fill-in-the-blank occasion. And speak to me in that language. She would love this because he would not be able to live without this because those are different facets or different ways to think about merchandising and communicating to the shoppers that these things make great gifts and they make them not because they're the pant leg is is 33 inches long but because they're he'll love lounging on saturdays and sundays in these pants these make a great lounger type gift that's a different way to merchandise your products The gift shopper needs to get over those types of hurdles first. The biggest challenge that they often have, though, is those little decisions that for self-shoppers are really simple ones. I know my size. I know my color preferences. I'm using apparel because there's lots of decisions to be made. That's also true in action sport categories, in consumer electronics, in home and housewares. There's always decisions that have to be made that are actually very personal around a product selection. Those are the exact reason that anxiety builds within a gift shopper, right? Oh, I'm not sure actually what size. I'm not sure if he's going to like that. I know I want to get him a shaver, but I'm not sure which kind. Does he want the one with the wheels or the, like, there's just so many options, right? And retail is, is full of optionality. It's what makes it a great destination to shop when you know the answers to those questions. When you don't know them, 
it becomes in- intimidating. And that becomes a reason not to buy. And it doesn't mean that they're going to go and default to a gift card. The interesting thing about a gift card is that people aren't giving the money. Truth, right? They're not giving you the $100. They're giving you the brand and the ability to get something from the brand because they weren't sure what within that assortment you would actually want. There are much easier ways to give cash than gift cards in 2022. The gift card is actually an item, just like a pair of shoes is a product. The gift card is a product. You know what's interesting though, Alicia, you never actually see that live in the merchandising world. It's always in finance or marketing or somewhere else. It's not, there is no product owner. There's no GM. (laughs) There's no DM for, for gift cards. I think that's really interesting because usually the gift card sales makes up a meaningful percentage of total site sales, but yet it doesn't live in the merchant kingdom. And so you're actually at odds with each other because there's going to be really great opportunities to give people the ripcord, give shoppers the ripcord of, wow, this person appears to not be getting to what they want. Maybe I need to start offering a gift card because otherwise they're two clicks from the door. And that doesn't happen because it's not a product and it's just not seen the same way as the folks that live over a particular merchant category. And so that's, again, this is kind of mind shift stuff, right? And just thinking about all of these different dimensions, it's really, really hard to talk to a tester and say, imagine you're buying a gift for Aunt Ida. Pick an item and try to check out. Like asking somebody to do that is a fool's errand. You can't imagine the things I'll have to think about for Aunt Ida, right? Any product will do if you're in the testing environment. Sure, I'll take the red fuzzy slippers and I'll just go check out. Well, that's just not how it works, right? Maybe she likes red, maybe she doesn't, I don't know. And so even the testing, when we get to those final days before it's all systems go, even the testing is hard to do to create and simulate what it is to be a gift shopper in a brand site or a retail environment that I am completely unfamiliar with. How do you really sort of overcome those hurdles? That's a lot of what we talk to our clients and our partners about is how to solve for that, a playbook of ideas on what you do above the funnel, mid funnel, what does checkout look like? Obviously with our platform, we handle a bunch of those challenges as just a native solution for a gift shopper, whether they want to buy a product and deliver that digitally, or whether they want to buy a gift card and ship it to their recipient or deliver it through social channels or email or what have you. But there's a lot kind of going on there. And I know retail does a really strong job at trying to solve for a lot of the nuance to that shopping condition. But as you begin to unpack it, Alicia, you realize that they're missing a lot, actually. There's a lot of opportunity there. And so there's a reason that we have mobile sites, right? Because those shoppers are actually coming at it differently than a desktop user. And so here we are, we've got a very different cohort of customer and we should be thinking about it the same way because the market is not small. It's not a $5 billion demand opportunity. You're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars in the gifting market. It'll be over $800 billion in 2024. 800 billion with a B. That's huge. The industry is making much bigger investments in less, much smaller categories than gifting right now. And that's sort of fascinating to me as well. Right. Oh, this is great. And I, and I think you did a nice job of illustrating just how complex <laughs> this, this all is and like why we need to like rethink or reframe 
what gifting can or should look like, especially especially through a digital lens. But I think it may be helpful if we maybe like walk through possible scenarios or examples of like what this improved gifting experience may look like? I mean, is it safe to assume that this is something that can scale or apply to different categories? Are you finding strengths for specific categories for these new experiences? I think maybe showing or telling rather an example may may help make the picture clearer for the folks listening. Yeah, sure. So, So we power the digital gifting experiences that's with an S at world-class retailers and brands that we believe we're helping them just fundamentally unlock, or you might even call it unblock, some of the challenges wrapped around the gift shopping. And it really starts with the premise that e-commerce at the very sort of ground zero was not designed for that type of shopper, it turns out. And so there's some fundamental things that you need to be able to overcome. In the product gifting side, when you drive down the highway, you still see a billboard featuring a pair of denim jeans. It doesn't say, and these are size six or 32 length and 30 waist, right? It's just a beautiful, well-fitted pair of jeans. So in the mind of the consumer, you want to give those jeans, but then you got to make those other decisions. And what I mean by e-commerce was broken for that is that I can't even add that to cart without declaring those specifications, right? Where really, I just want to give her jeans. And so there's a mismatch there in terms of what I want to give and what I ultimately have to give. And so we kind of said, we got to break that, right? You got to be able to give the jeans. Let her pick the size and color. This is digital. It's two-way. Like, why do I need to decide this? It has to get shipped to her house. She's got to try it on, hate it, send it back, get another pair, send them out. There's nothing efficient about that, right? Where we can empower the recipient to make those choices for themselves. I want the blue tent, not the green tent, right? And so we decoupled fundamentally in our first incarnation as a product gifting engine, delivery of the gift and the experience from the shipping of the item. Those are actually two different events. They don't need to be tied together. And today we believe they're tied together. That's why everybody puts the sign on their door that says, don't come shop my site after December 20th because you won't get your gift. Well, the gift is the moment. It's not the item, right? And so we can bridge that with personalization, with an experience that triggers the same emotional response as it would if you're ripping open paper, right? And that's really the gift. By the way, a couple of days later, it'll show up in the mail. And then you actually get a little second spark because it's like, oh, wow, it's here, right? And so we focus on the consumer engagement. How do we create a really personal experience? We enable personal video greetings, for example. They get used a lot. Same with photo uploads. They also get used a lot. People always obviously write a note. We also close the loop with a thank you note, right? And that's a big deal because the sender gets the response a day, a couple days later, whatever it is, and it creates another sort of glow moment. And so these are all opportunities for retailers to play a role in connecting two individuals at a very sort of human and emotional level. And that generally will generate a halo for that brand or retailer from both the sender and the recipient. And so we, we've seen that. There's some hidden nuggets in there though, Alicia. Like what I talked about earlier with the the non-typical customer type, that drives a significant opportunity for customer acquisition. And there's little nuances to everything, right? Like men tend to procrastinate and I'm one of them. 
Now there's this interesting psychological game that happens where the closer you get to the moment you're supposed to be giving something, the more tax you're willing to pay to get the right thing. And so we see that consistently in every holiday, and especially the male audience, the closer they get to the holiday, by the day, they're willing to pay more and more and more from an AOV perspective. And that's, we call that the gifting guilt is sort of overcoming <laughs> them. But that's really interesting, right? Yeah. Because if you're a handbag maker and you want to get after that male who's now spending 50% more than he was three days ago and is in a crisis, the way you're going to talk to him may be different, right? And where you would go find him is certainly going to be different than where you find your typical customer. Again, these are the things that go into building a winning strategy. And I want to acknowledge that a large general merchant is going to be very different than a direct-to-consumer brand, especially one that's got a narrow segment. So what that experience looks like, you mean? Or like what may be a fit for them? The actionability of some of these tactics. Got it. Okay. Right? It's a lot harder to do in a department store or a general merchant because you do have a much wider audience. It's a much sort of more transactional environment to begin with. There's a lot of sort of built-in habit around those environments versus when I go visit a luxury brand site. That just feels, looks, and is different. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't know all of these things and start considering how to react and ultimately provide the best possible experience for the customer. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point. And in your last response, I, I picked up on a few subtopics, like as you were talking about the impacts of these improved experiences. So returns was kind of an issue, right? Like when you're seeing like a billboard or an advertisement, you don't have that context into like sizing and, and specifications. But then you brought up the potential benefit of maximizing those average order values. So, you know, based on timing, consumer mindset, etc., and being able to build those shopping carts out a little bit more. Are those benefits that your target customer set, you know, current or potential, like, fully realize like how deep this value goes? Or is this something that like when they have conversations with you around strategy and, and what this vision looks like for them, are they just like kind of like, oh, like this actually ties to like bigger business impacts or possible ROI than I even thought about? Like how does that conversation shake out? Good one. So we kind of refer to it as the gift of gifting or the gift the gift of gift now particularly. And when it comes to how they sort of evaluate the swim lanes of impact, there's a variety. And obviously, we're a very focused industry on things like conversion rate, average order, frequency, all of the main sort of KPIs that any retail exec is going to be obsessing about every day that they get up. Returns are a real problem. Imagine if, and you've read the kind of post-holiday disaster stories of the return rates and the billions of dollars, and I'm just using that vaguely because there's a number out there and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's it's billions of dollars of returns. You know, most consumers don't know there's a fair amount of those that actually end up in the trash, right? Because you can't even resell them once they come back. And that's just a sad waste in a modern time when it doesn't actually need to be that way. And so imagine if you could walk into a retail office and say, if everybody bought and sent through gift now, you would just not have returns during the holiday. There wouldn't be a single box coming back to your warehouse because there's a couple of actions that happen once that product is returned, 
right? First, it's returned because the decisions that were made around it weren't the right decisions and they were made by somebody else. So there's a really good chance you're going to get it wrong. Second, there's the whole, how do you keep the transaction? How do you keep the order? We see a lot of this, Alicia, result in actually returning money to the credit card and so versus issuing store credit and saying, great, they spent 150 bucks on you for those pair of boots or for that life preserver for your boat. But if you don't want that, here's the 150, go buy something else. There's many times where that actually goes back to the original method of payment. And so you're actually losing the sale, right? Versus the toll booth versus the cul-de-sac. And so if I can empower that recipient to make the choices of, do I want this thing? If I do, what are the configuration of it? By the way, where am I shipping it? Right? Like, do you know your parents' address off the top of your head? If they lived halfway across the country, probably not. And most people actually shop in this sort of very on-the-go mindset. And so just knowing the shipping address is a hurdle. But going back to the return part, if you can empower that recipient to make those choices and then tell you where to ship it, the stickiness of that is much higher. The return rate isn't going to index the way it does with blindly given gifts. And by the way, if you decide you don't want it at all, and you just instantly got a gift card for that particular retailer or brand as a response to rejecting the gift, nothing ever was picked, packed, shipped, delivered, or returned. And all the money stayed in-house. And so the there's a mushroom effect on if you look at things at a per-transaction basis, there's much, much better margins when you have control around those aspects. And so that's what we bring. That's what our platform does when we take away kind of the gloss and the fun aspect of being this connective technology for two people in the form of gifting, really what it does is it, it roots out the causes for returns. It keeps the money in the drawer because you never have to really return it. You give them a gift card to go buy something else. And it gives your chance, gives your shoppers a chance to actually buy and deliver something instantly and not have to worry about whether or not that's going to arrive on time. And so those are a couple of the main KPIs that retailers rely on us for. Now, that's that's specifically, Alicia, around the product gifting world. There's a whole nother set of really interesting KPIs when it comes to gift cards, things like overspend. If I buy you a $50 gift card, you're probably going to spend 75 bucks, maybe 100 right? I may or may not be a new customer, but I'm pretty sure I'll index higher for new customers versus someone who's buying a product. I can deliver them instantly through email or text. Money never expires, right? People enjoy that. It kind of creates that halo where six months later, I'll be thinking about the brand because it's sitting in my drawer. And so there's a bunch of opportunity built into gift cards too. And they make great gifts and we do a really awesome job delivering them. But we like to celebrate the merchant's assortment and give them the chance to give that as part of their opportunity to connect with their new customers and the customers that have been coming back. Yeah. So as retailers kind of implement these gifting experiences, I mean, you mentioned all of the different ways that you know gifts can be sent or the receivers can actually go through that process. Do retailers slash brands kind of use those same KPIs to dictate like, what maybe they should incorporate into the experience or like adjustments to make. Because I know like as we think about the return on these investments, it's like, okay, how do we use data to iterate and improve upon them? So is that something that you provide guidance on? Or I guess what is that next level of 
consultation or guidance to help them optimize that experience further? Yeah, I think it starts with the above the funnel and then it, it kind of leaks all the way through that purchase path. And so we obviously have pretty robust data on the transactions that we process for our retailers. And associated with that is actually a myriad of, of metadata, right? It's what was the item? What was the category? How much was the price? Who's giving it? When are they giving it in terms of how close it is to delivery? Because we actually know when they want it delivered because they can set it for three days in advance or three days ahead of time, right? And so we can understand which categories have the highest propensity to drive an exchange, which in their world is a return. So maybe you don't want to end cap promote a category that 65% of the time the recipient doesn't like it, <laughs> right? And now you're going to be strapped with the expense of, of getting those returned. And so there's a lot of data that we capture as part of the experience that we can then reflect back to the retailer. And we dig those insights out ourselves and we try to create actionable advice on things that a retailer can improve or do better based on the data that we have rooted in in the platform itself. And so we see that happen in a variety of ways. We see it well executed, ignored completely. It's a full range as it would be for anybody in any category, right? But those insights are there and they tend to be really, really valuable. And there's you end up having a lot of light bulb moments too of, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, hey, did you know that your number one gifting occasion is birthdays? And it's 65% of the time someone buys a gift. And what are you doing to win that? Because that's a huge opportunity, right? Turns out you make a great birthday gift, better than a wedding anniversary gift. So is there something you should be doing in the marketing to drive comfort around purchasing this as a birthday gift? Because that's every single day of the year, there's 800,000 birthdays. So go get your piece, right? Well, this is great, John. Very fascinating. I mean, like as we dug into the conversation, it was interesting to see how many layers or, you know, subtopics that came out of, you know, just this, you would think relatively innocent topic of gifting, right? Like there are so many things to consider. So to that end, I mean, at the top of our conversation, we talked about consumer sentiment and possibly what's to come during the holiday season and the trends that we're tracking there. So to that end, I mean, any closing thoughts, recommendations, even predictions on your side to kind of get our listeners thinking about where their strategy is and what adjustments they need to make going into the holidays? I think the biggest recommendation I would have is care. Care that there's a big business here that you're probably not optimizing and probably not getting your true piece of because you haven't thought about how it's different from what you are programmed to deliver in your self-shopping universe. And so care about the differences and the nuances and then take small steps towards just getting better at each one of them and ask your customers. Customers are the greatest source of insight sometimes. And so there's a lot of opportunity in there. By the way, don't be afraid to give your products to your customers as gifts. If it makes great gifts for consumers, your customers would be thankful as a recipient if you use that as a way to, to drive loyalty or inspire a connection with your customer base. You're probably doing a lot to, to try to do that, and, and you're probably not using your products as a method. And so I would encourage folks to think about that. Where does it fit into their overall loyalty and sort of frequency driving activations? Pick apart the process. Think about it through the lens of the recipient, or I'm sorry, the shopper who is buying for somebody else. 
and look at where your tripwires are and try to find ways to solve for it. It's not a binary decision most of the time. So don't be afraid to have more content in your gift guide than you would normally on your index pages for self shoppers. People need sources of inspiration within the site itself. So make that available if you have that content. You know, a lot of retailers will have some kind of editorial, but it's always in this silo versus introduced to the path of purchase because they don't want to distract. Well, this shopper actually needs that as part of the supporting reasons to buy in the first place. Realize your audiences are different. They have different problems to solve. Realize the things that they care about. It's 2022 and I still can't go even to the biggest of the biggest and say, I want this delivered on May 12th. You can't pick a date for delivery. That's crazy, right? But it's true. And it's not simple to overcome that with physical things. And so you could do it digitally. But that's the kind of the point, right? You want, if it's your birthday, Alicia, I want it to land in your driveway on your birthday. I don't want it to get there the day after or two days before, but I can't do that. Those are the little things that once you start to realize we're not well equipped, then you can start to pick apart the things that you're not doing well and the things that you're doing better and double down on those. And don't wait because it's every day. It's not just December. In fact, yeah, I'll leave it there. It's just not, it's not, it's not just December. (laughs) It really is an everyday business. Yep. No, that's great, John. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you again for getting into the weeds with me a little bit. Again, you know, there's so many layers and considerations. So really appreciate you taking the time out. No, it was a fun conversation, Alicia, and I'd welcome at any time. People can find us. They can send an email to hello at giftnow.com. They can reach out to me directly, john at giftnow.com. And of course, hit our site or see us at a conference. We'd love to talk. Excellent. Yeah. And to the end, everyone, if you have any follow-up questions for us, you've likely seen us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We share announcements when these new episodes are available. So feel free to drop us a line, ask follow-up questions. We want this to be a conversation because it is a year-round strategy. It is something that brands and retailers need to rethink and reconfigure, especially if they want to create those new revenue opportunities that we discussed today. So looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this increasingly important topic. And of course, if you enjoy today's conversation, drop us a line rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. We would love to hear from you. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. We have new episodes every week, fascinating topics with practitioners and tech thought leaders digging into the the trends and issues that matter most to our audience. But for now, that is it for today. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.